Hello, I'm Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. Uh, this is the podcast where we exclusively talk about Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace. In our pursuit of the answer to one simple question, what is this movie about? Is it so simple? It's, in theory, simple. Mm, yeah. In practice, very, very difficult to answer. Um, and just to reestablish the ground rules, for those of you who haven't listened to Episode One yet... Uh, we are not going to acknowledge the existence of any other Star Wars I don't know films. what you're talking about. I had to say it quickly. I know it's a violation. Eh. Producer Ben, feel free to dock me points. No, it's okay. You're laying down the rules. I wanted our listeners to understand. So from this point on, we Phantom will Menace. not acknowledge any other mo- Who knows what other movies exist? I don't know about any others. Mm. Uh, this week's topic, the royalty of Naboo. Yeah, the 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 royal family, the family, the the queen. Is the queen. there a family? Uh, the, we want to figure out the structure. Yeah, and just there's a lot of stuff going on with this little planet and the, how it governs itself. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we want to get into Amidala's character, it, her yeah, arc. Yeah, how it protects its queen. The hand, the handmaidens. Uh, uh, you know, not to tip our hand too much, our handmaidens hand too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right off the bat, um, I rewatched the film last night. Uh, yeah, I rewatched it, I think, two nights ago. And Purdue Ben, you also? I also watched it recently, so I'm up to date. Uh, I watched the Blu-ray Ultimate Collection Edition. I as don't know. Did I? Yeah, as did you. Okay. okay. I just had a DVD. Sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Producer Ben's a bit of a basic bitch, but we will <laughs> go on. Um, Last week, we only covered the first eight minutes and 40 seconds of the film. Something. I think eight minutes and 56 seconds. So I, I didn't rewatch the whole film. And th- this week I I did. Right, yeah. The first week I hadn't either. We had just sort of watched the opening section of the film to really, yeah. really sort of, you know, get the aroma of it, you know? We just really wanted to open up the sense. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We were kind of uh, letting yeah. the tannins mellow. Yeah. Uh, just see how it plays on the nose. Exactly. Yeah, because Phantom Menace, it's like a, a fine glass of wine. You got to let it aerate a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we did, that was our entry point. And this week we're covering not a scene- but a sort of thread throughout the entire film, so I want to watch the whole film. Right, well, we watched the whole movie. Right, and uh, who knows how many times I've seen this movie at this yeah, point? I I was thinking about that. I I've seen it probably at least a dozen times. I think I saw it a few times in theaters, probably two or three times in theaters. I think I probably saw it four or five times in that's, theaters. That's that's a lot. That's crazy. Wow. I definitely saw the 3D re-release, which you did saw, as well. I saw the 3D right, so it might be up to four times in theaters. Yeah, and, and then, then I owned it on VHS. See, I didn't own it on VHS, so I think I've seen it less since then, but at friends' places, whatever. Yeah, sure. But um, Spike TV. Sure. It's sure. On, it's always on Spike TV. It's always on Spike. Um, uh, and Spike is always on. Um, right. On, on like, essentially. And characters it always has are a boner. Welcome, it's got a boner, and its characters are welcome yes. to bone. Right. Uh, Drink Spike. Red Bull. That too, well, I think. Producer Ben, please. We're trying to keep our legitimacy. Legitimacy. Ugh, God damn it. What am I fucking talking about? This this movie makes me think that non-words are words. <laughs> Legitimacy. Like, like that could be like could one of the be. former queens of, yeah. uh, of Naboo. Should we call Legitimacy? If you say it in an Asian stereotype. Hey. Hey. Well, first, let's talk about this first. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you're just, your glee last week. I might have gone a little too hard last week. <laughs> and, and, and imitating Newt Gunray and the uh, yeah. and the Nemoidians. Yeah, I might have enjoyed myself a little too much. And, and for that, I want to apologize to our listeners. Yeah, I, I think, didn't. I, I think didn't create deserve, the impression, but I did. I really. Yeah. I. I. You know. 
I had my cake and I ate it too. And then I baked another cake and I ate that you one were in quick just succession. grinning with glee at the idea that you were allowed to do this, I think. It, w- it was liberating. <laughs> it was liberating because of all the um, uh, animosity I've had towards those characters over the years. Right. But I think that enthusiasm transferred into what seemed to be a uh, enjoyment of of slamming uh, a group of people. <laughs> oh boy! A large swath of the and population. Them. A yeah, large, a, a humongous and, swath of the population. Right, and not even a country. Just no. A, 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 just sort of a third of the world. Because once again, we agreed last week that uh, the the racism is very non-specific. Yeah, it's it's just Asians. It's sort of all it's Asians. Just, it's just greedy jelly Asians. Yeah. yeah. And so for this week's episode, because it's not relevant, I'm well, not going to do my impressions of the Nemoidians um, because it wouldn't be illegal. <gasps> I'm docking you points, Griffin. Okay, you can dock me a point. You can dock me a point. But so right, I rewatched right. the film last night. Okay, and I I watched it I think on Monday night. And every time I've seen it, um, I'd say post the age of ten, right? Yeah. Saw four or five times in theaters. Don't think I saw for a year or two after that. By that point, I had realized it wasn't good. It had soured. When I was a kid, I, as I said, yeah. thought it was the best one yet. Upon first viewing, that I was, thought that was your view coming out of the theater. I right? said the easily best one yet. the best one yet. Yes. And then within two years, I was like, I get it, it's not good. Um, every time I've seen it in that post-realization state, yep. I start out the exact same way. I turn it on and I go, you know what? I want to be the guy who makes the argument for why this movie is great. I know. I, I, I know what you mean. And especially watching it on this Blu-ray. It's a gorgeous transfer. It's a it gorgeous transfer. Uh, incredible sound mix. Ugh. Really good sound. I I always want to be the guy who cracks the code. Yeah. And I love going against the grain. I'm a contrarian dude. I mean, that is why we are recording this podcast a little bit, probably. There's that inkling. We'd love to figure it out and crack it and make everyone go, oh, it is great. We never got it before. Right. Yeah. I always started out. Producer Ben is shaking his head just with despair. Every time I start out with that attitude. I go, I know what it is. It's not very good. But, you know, I want to figure it out Yeah, you you don't want to just, you're not watching it like in a, it's not like you're cranking on like Batman and Robin. It's like so bad it's good. You're just going to laugh at it. Like that's not why I watch The Phantom. Sure, sure. And, you know, I, I made this argument for a while where I was like, maybe, and this is sort of what our podcast is doing, maybe devoid of all expectations. You know, the anticipation for the movie was so high, the the excitement was so high, it could never live up to what people were imagining in their heads. Maybe if you just took it on its own, yep, devoid of doing. everything, and just looked at it as a movie, it'd be solid. It'd be fine for what it is. I always want to make that argument. And at the end of every time I watch it, I come away with the same answer, which is that movie is overrated. <laughs> I go into it going, I want to argue why it's better than people think it is. And right. I walk out going, it actually should be slammed more thoroughly than we don't talk enough about oh, how wow. problematic so it is. So that, that it took one viewing and two episodes of this podcast for you just to realize, no, The Phantom Menace is, is basically a garbage movie. Until the next time I watch it. I guarantee the next yeah, time I, I watch it, I'm going to enter it with the same well, thing. You overrate it going in and then you're I like, know. ah, this thing's overrated. <laughs> Maybe it's only overrated by my yeah, own. Yeah, it might be overrated by Griffin Newman. Perspective. Griffin yeah. Newman two hours earlier. Yeah, God, because I always... It's a tight two-hour movie, too. It's. I believe it's 214. All right, all right. A tight two-hour right. movie? But I'm just saying, like, I feel like... 
you know, I just, you know, you suffer through your hobbits. They're like three sure. and a half yeah, hours. So, I don't know. Okay, like, right. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a little, sure. there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. They visit many planets. They do visit many planets. <laughs> yeah. But but this is my thing. Most movies, one, one planet. planet. That's true. Yeah. If even that. If even that. If even that. Some are just set on satellites, like Moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about Moon. Not talking about Moon. Naboo is a moon, is it? I don't know. No, I think it's a planet. It's a planet. All right. Yeah. Moons don't have queens. <laughs> Show me a queen of a moon, and I'll give you a hay penny. And so did you have some thought, like, apart from the, the fact that the movie is overrated? Yeah, yeah. Having watched it Here, last night. Here's my, my thoughtful analysis of where the film goes wrong, having really studied it, you know? Mm-hmm. Taking a fine-toothed comb to the movie. A fine-toothed comb. A fine-toothed comb. <laughs> Lucas has robbed me of all all language faculties, English vocabulary. Um, I took a fine tooth comb to the film, mm. and my expert analysis is it's really fucking boring. <laughs> it's a boring fucking movie. That's my problem with it. I don't even care that it's kind of silly and dumb in parts, and those are big, like lazy words I'm throwing on it. Yeah. But I like a lot of movies that are silly and dumb. I saw mm-hmm. Jupiter Ascending recently. You did as well. I love Jupiter we Ascending. We both love Jupiter Ascending. It's good. It's dumb, it's sloppy, it's messy, it's so much fun, it's got such a good heart, it's so well yeah. attention. Yeah. it's exciting to watch. It is, and it's busy with ideas and yeah. things, and it's, I mean, it has moments that are a little boring or exposition yeah. for sure, but like, not on the level of this like extended negotiation, which is like what this movie is, right? This like yes. series of talks between it's uh, monks and so political bureaucrats. Yes, yeah, and uh, the bureaucrats. Producer Ben, it, it, it looks like you are burning to say something. Well, I just—I mean, we were talking even before we started recording, and the one reaction I had after not seeing the movie for probably 10, 15 years. So, wow. wow. Right. So you, yeah. you had so, a really different experience watching this movie than absolutely. I, was. Yeah. I will just say the one thing that struck me right off the bat was there is so much exposition okay. yeah. in this right. movie. Yep. Yeah. It is insane. Yeah. Thank you. That is, every scene requires reams of exposition. And this is where I get bored, okay? I don't think that I have an attention problem when it comes to movies. No. I like a lot of movies that most would dub as long and boring. I think you think that some dumb people would do that. Some dumb people would say that. That was a Freudian slip. That was a Lucasian slip. That was a Lucasian slip. Uh, But my, my favorite movie of 2014 was Monica Mana which is a documentary about a cable car in Nepal that goes to a temple on the top of a mountain, and it's just they put the camera in the cable car, and you just watch people sitting in a cable car. The first 40 minutes, there's no dialogue. You're just watching an old man sit in a cable car. I haven't seen this. Is this a movie? Yeah, it's a masterpiece. I saw it three times in theaters. What? Yeah, I think it's incredible. I My point is, I don't get bored. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? My favorite movie last year was Birdman. I'm kidding. Oh, you piece of shit. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah, you yeah, piece you, of shit. You don't get. I'm. I'm kidding. It was not my favorite movie. Of the Talk year. about overrated. Points. Yeah. Yeah. Points. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Points. Points. Um. Chris Hardwick's gonna burst in here with a shotgun. Oh god. Was he in this movie? Probably not. No, he really wanted to host this podcast, and we were like, Chris. Yeah. We 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 said, Chris. You know, you host a lot of podcasts. You got enough on your plate. Yeah. Yeah, come bro, on, bro. Come on, yeah. back off, bro. He can host the talking uh, after. Yeah, yeah. He could host the the podcast where they talk about this. Yeah, podcast. that's what we're. That's what he's going to do. That's right. what he deserves, and nothing more. Yeah. 
Um, there's a type of you probably uh, like Birdman. Oh God, he loved Birdman. I'm Chris Hardwick. You're fine. I, I like I, I like Chris Hardwick. I bet he Jayzo to Birdman. <laughs> anyway, gives it the old Jayzo. Yeah, he gives it a Jayzo. Yeah. and you don't give it a Jayzo to. I don't, I don't think it's to a Birdman or to the Phantom Menace. Yes, yeah. but I like Phantom Menace more. I will say that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, unquestionably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's. I think sound Birdman's like a, mean... a better acted film. Yes, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think it's a worse written film. Welcome to our podcast, Birdman versus Phantom Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my point is there's a type of scene that uh, not only bores me, mm. but uh, almost automatically causes me to disengage from what I'm watching. Sort of offends your artistic sort of engagement, yeah. No, it's not even that. It's just I find myself being unable to focus on it. Okay. My brain okay. just, it like, just checks out like you, and takes you a You want to take your phone out, like, if a scene, if this scene is kind of happening. You're just sort of... Ugh. Or my mind sort of does free association, and I start thinking about other things, and then I realize, like, oh, you haven't been paying attention to what's been happening in this movie for... Okay. You know when you're in school and they'd give you a crappy book for English class and you'd sort of speed read through it? Yeah, You'd be like, course. oh, I read the whole chapter, but you wouldn't really process you didn't really any of the, the words. Info. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll sometimes, if a movie bores me, that will sometimes happen. And once again, it doesn't have to be a film that is uh, boring by classical definition. But right. the easiest way for me to disengage is when characters are saying something that reveal absolutely nothing about the characters for extended periods of time. Okay. When you have seven characters in a scene just reciting information. Yeah. Yeah. And and this movie has that where not only is it so expository, but it's expository in a way where it's like you could give any yes, character could say in the any scene line. any other line. You could flip that. them all. It's like the Justice League. Well, you know, of course, that the Trade Federation is mm. just people stating things that the characters themselves would know. Right. Only yes. for the audience to understand with like no finesse, no charm. People bag on the, you know, wooden acting of this film, as you said. Mm-hmm. Birdman does have better acting. Mostly. Phantom Menace. But I would argue Phantom Menace has as good a cast as Birdman does on paper. I mean, yeah, forgetting like a couple. Yeah, it has a great cast. If you look at the main players. Yeah, and some of them are trying really hard or sort of. I mean, like, I feel like Liam Neeson is trying hard in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I He seems a little despondent. But but I but he's, guy, he's he has a sense of what his character is. No question, even and though I it's think not really revealed in any other way. Neeson phoning it in has a certain poetry to it. Yeah, I there, mean, sure, right? I mean, people yeah. love Neeson phoning it in these days. There's something about him. He's so inherently sad. He's got that big yeah. wandering Irish he has drunk, a, a, thing. a somewhat haunted quality. Qui Gon yeah. has a haunted quality, and he's got this sort of like poet's heart. Yeah, and you feel like Qui-Gon, I mean, we'll get into Qui-Gon at some point, but yeah. that, that, guy's, that guy's got some weird past, because everyone's sort of walking on eggshells around him. But I think that's all in performance. No, that's I what's agree, interesting. I agree, I agree. Yeah, I mean, and that's Lucas's failure to recognize that and try to do more care. with it in the film. Because as written, it's one-dimensional. But there's something, there's, there's a certain lyricism to the way he recites this banal dialogue. Yep. There's integrity to him as a man, Liam Neeson, as a dude that comes through in even his laziest performances that kind of makes everything feel like it has a certain weight to it. Natalie Portman, getting around to her, the focus of today's episode, was widely trashed for this performance. Was she? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. She's fine in this movie. I actually think she's good in this movie. I do too. Yeah. I think she kind of did the best that she could I do. think she might be, yeah. I think this this is, uh, it's an interesting performance because she's kind of giving two performances, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. we'll get into that. 
Um, but I think she's pretty personable when she's just regular old Padme. Padme, I think, is a really good performance. And, yeah. And the I mean, queen- really good is straight. But again, she's saddled Solid. with the most Solid. unfortunate dialogue. I mean, yes. And half the time she's talking to a child who is giving her nothing. Who's really, he's giving her less than nothing. He's either giving her nothing or way too much. Sure, right, right, yeah. I mean, she just, it's, there's no sense that these two would actually form right. any kind of bond, but it's crucial that they form a bond, clearly. But either she's left empty-handed emotionally in these scenes, right. or she's the waiter with 17 trays trying not to tell <laughs> like the kids. The, yeah. Jake I Lloyd mean, only has two settings. I feel, I feel bad for that kid. I know yeah. that Jake Lloyd had a, like, kind of a rough life after this movie. I, I, yes. I read an article... Yes, and has not acted since. Yeah, he got a lot of guff for this movie, I think, from his school friends. Yep. I saw a video of him, an interview from uh, his college years. Okay. And he was saying, it, it like really has fucked up my life. I can't live it down. And wonder, everyone hates me. I wonder how much money he got for this movie. Probably was not enough money. No. It's not like one of those things where, you know, you hear Liam Neeson didn't enjoy making this movie. I'm like, yeah, well, he's he's fine. You know, I yeah. mean, he probably, he made a nice salary from this movie, you know. I don't think he got enough, and I think... Jake Lloyd was a kid. He's like six yeah. years old. Yeah, I think Lucas and his... He's very cute. He's got a nice he look. Oh, he's got a nice punum. <laughs> he's got a great little punum. Great little punum. It's true. You can see how if George Lucas was casting solely based off of headshots, he'd get the role hand down. He did cast. I mean, right. right? I mean, isn't that what's be. going on be. here? Because Shmi Skywalker, who uh, yeah. Anakin's mother, yeah. is played Who's by... mother? It sounds like Shut she up. Was... <laughs> it's played by Pernilla August. And I read, she's a Swedish actor. She had never done an English language performance mm-hmm. before. Like, and it it shows. She's not bad in the movie, I but she's she can... pretty solid. She's got the same kind of niece and integrity. Yeah, but she's giving a phonetic performance. Yes. You know, it's like you yeah. can tell she does not really get the words that are coming out of her mouth. Like she doesn't have one hundred percent of a handle on. Oh, it. she had a, a Jackie Chan and Rush Hour. I, you know, syndrome. I don't know. I'm, I'm, she I... didn't understand the words coming out of his mouth. <laughs> All right. It would have gotten a bigger laugh if I said it immediately. Yeah, you you took a second and then I was like, oh right. Okay. I hesitated. I was trying to figure out how to phrase it. I'm off my game today. Um, not at all. Well, okay. So, uh, any more thoughts on the on just rewatching the film in general? Yeah, it's really boring. It's a lot of information. I mean, I, you know, I, I, you know, I want to slice the bologna pretty thin because we got a couple more, you know, months of this podcast yeah, to get through. We got a lot. So we got a lot. I don't want to cover everything, uh, you know. But and we'll dig into this later. But I also think uh, a problem with the movie is, you know, I mean, as I said, my I, my brain disengages as I'm watching it. So even watching it now for the whatever time. I was like, I still don't know if I totally understand what's going on in this film because every time I try to pay attention, it finds a way to push me away. I agree. Um, There's a lot of detail, visual detail planted in this film that pays off later, but you don't notice it because you're too freaking bored. Well, and last week we were focusing on just nine minutes of the film, and right. then rewatching those nine minutes this week, I realized how many things we got wrong in those nine minutes. We did? We each watched the first nine minutes of that film five times <laughs> that and about still right. got some essential what details wrong. did we get wrong? wrong? We thought that TC14 was sent in to kill them, but she was sent in to distract them while they were uh, killed. Yeah, I think I don't think we said kill them because you know the the and you know the gas is the killing. Right. She's but not. We, we thought she was in there to attack them, and so I don't uh, I don't know. Yeah, what was good. I, I mean, know, it was everything. weird. It sounds like you're whacked out. I'm so confused by this goofballs. movie. I'm whacked out on goofballs. I'm whacked out on phantom balls. I think uh, Ben wanted to say something. Well, uh, the point I'll make is uh, something I noticed is the throwback editing. 
like the time oh, yeah. lapse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, it the was wipes almost, and all that. It was yeah. almost nice to see. Yeah. So I actually wipes. really enjoyed that. Yeah. It's part of the, the George Lucas charm, right? It's a, yeah. he, he loves he, he loves the old serials and the mm-hmm. all that stuff, right? That was that's all part of his directorial that's his uh, touch. Yeah, and once again, credit where credit is due. Mm. I do think in terms of uh, a cinematic grammar. Okay. It's a well made film. Isn't it's it's a perfectly like decently made film? Yeah, I, the action's I think more pretty, than decently yeah, well made. I agree with you. Yeah. I think like, everything's telegraphed pretty clear action wise. He does know. have these really kind of gorgeous classical compositions. Yes, even if I, I don't like that. every element within the frame, right? They're blocked really, really well. Yeah, the colors in the film are really, really nice. I love that it has actual locations in it. You know, the things that are shot in real locations where he has actors in costumes and makeup and things like that, they're all really nice looking. The yes. shots with more CGI, they're give and take. I talked last week a little bit about how I like his use of silence, and I realized I didn't go into it deep enough. What I mean is there are a lot of scenes, big scenes, where he doesn't have score, there isn't dialogue, and you just hear sound effects right. Which, with silence. The sound effects are immaculate. Obviously. And we're so used to in this day and age when blockbusters are these big, bombastic yeah, things. And, and choppily edited things. Choppily you know? edited. They're shooting around yeah. what imagines what was like a tight shooting schedule or, right. you know, not enough budget for a certain visual effect. And like, any Marvel movie, I love those movies, but, you they're know. They're shot like TV shows. It's yeah. a lot of coverage yeah, and uh, close-up, right. reverse close-up. Exactly. And this, like, if Lucas is cutting within a sequence, and he actually doesn't cut that much. No. Whole they get often, them part of the wipes and all the old things Ben was just talking about. Yeah. All them wipes. He'll cut like from a wide shot to a different wide shot, a wide shot at a different angle. He's not cutting in from Qui-Gon right. to Obi-Wan, although he does when necessary. But a lot of times it'll be like, here's a wide shot, here's a wide shot from a different angle to convey a different piece of information. Sure. I, I like that. I like it too. There's a visual majesty to the film. Yeah. And, and to, I say that without any reservation. To the city of feed. To the city of the capital of Naboo, damn city of Thede. Okay, so let's talk about Naboo and our queen, Amidala, who is fourteen years old. She's fourteen. Is that official? Is that confirmed? Let me look that it she's up. fourteen. Democratically years old? No, 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 you, elected. You can, you can talk. She is democratically elected. I will look up a little bit about the uh, the background of Amidala. The I, problem with the uh, the Wikipedia, uh, I was trying to figure out her age. Uh, they use their own year system. Of course, it's a BBY. BBY. Yeah, so I, I know. don't know. I can't even do the math because I don't understand. She was born 46 BBY. And she was elected. She was, ele- she was elected, she was elected uh, in 33, 33 BBY. So she was 13 years old. Okay, so and, and but this movie is probably, it's somewhere, she could be 13, 14, 14. years old. Let's say she's yeah. 14. Fine. A Portman's dozen. Oh, yeah, exactly. A Portman dozen. Yes, perfect. Um, Nice big bag of bagels. So she's a freshman in high school. That's Uh, right. That's right. Well, she would have been, but she had to drop out to be the democratically elected queen (laughs) of a planet. Now, you see, I'll admit, going into this movie, uh, going into this podcast, sorry, I thought that the queen was, was always that. That it was just, that's how Naboo worked. They just elected teenage girls to be their queens for some reason. Okay. But according to the Star Wars, the Wikipedia, uh, she actually brought down a fairly unpopular king. Yes. Uh, and, and sort of began a democratic tradition on the planet. Uh, so this is all very new in Naboo. But she also, None of this is mentioned sure, in the Sure, she wasn't the youngest. It also says that here. Um God, I can't find it. She here. joined the apprentice legislature at eight, became a full legislator at eleven. Yeah, and then uh, she became princess of Thede 
and rallied those against the rule of King Ars Veruna and brought him down. Uh, here's the thing I want to talk about. Um, where is it here? Yeah, but you're, you're right. It says she was not the youngest yeah. queen ever elected. It doesn't say who was. But Th- This is the interesting uh, section of the podcast where we just read a Wikipedia app. Yeah, off yeah let's do this for a while. Um, uh, the Legislative Youth Program. Okay, this has its own Wikipedia. This might entry. be a good thing. Maybe maybe Naboo has it figured out. You know, maybe if our kids were getting civic engagement at a younger age, then uh, then you know this country wouldn't be in the the goddamn turlet. I agreed. Uh, the Legislative Youth Program was a galaxy wide organization devoted to the education of youths from across the stars interested in entering public service. Oof. That's kind of an interesting concept. Sounds like it's for nerds. Well, yeah, it does sound like it's for nerdlingers and starfighter. Yeah, yeah, I want to be a starfighter. Um, okay, so it's galaxy wide. All right, it's galaxy wide. That's why they send kids if kids think they want to go into public service. Well, but it just sounds like in Naboo, it all happens fast. It's like you're 14. How do you feel about running a planet? Yeah. Now let's remember this. Like in all science fiction, and it always bothers me. Everything on Star Wars is planets. Mm-hmm. It's like, th- this is a planet, right? You know, maybe it could have more than one country. In fact, it kind of does. It kind of does have two countries, right? Because it has the Gungans, which will sort of... Sure, yes. But I mean, it's basically one person is in charge of a whole planet, and every planet yeah. is like that. Naboo's like a nice grassy planet, and then there's a volcano planet, and then there's a nice planet. We only ever really see one small section of each planet. Right, and we're just yeah. sort of... Made to assume like, yeah, well, that's just like that. That one is like a hot planet, and that one's a cold planet. And you know, planets tend to be diverse, especially when they can sustain life. But you know, whatever. Agreed. There's a moment in the film when they land on the planet of Coruscant when they're circling right. it. Right. They look out the window, which is one of the cooler concepts. In sure. This, yeah, in the movie. Yeah. And Qui Gon, I believe, says to Anakin, "Look, I, it's Coruscant. This entire planet is one city." Right. And it's like, well, no, it's not. No, it's a planet. It's a planet. Yeah. You could say the entire planet is structured like a city. Yeah, it's Every- covered in skyscrapers There or is no part of this planet that is not city-like. Right. But by definition... Yeah, it's a planet. It's, it's not a, a city. Planet. A city's like a totally ridiculous concept for them. It's like a tiny, minuscule thing. Right. This is just a, bi- this is just a big building city. A big building right. planet, rather. Yeah. It's a, right. Yeah. It, it, if Naboo is a nice old Tuscan planet and, you know, I don't know, Tatooine is a desert planet... Coruscant's just a, a building planet. It's just Midtown. It's right. just if, what if Midtown was the whole planet? Yeah, and cars flew in the air. Right. Those but are the you, two things. Could you imagine? <laughs> that, that's the two things that it has. Did anyone else think about how the traffic works? It, it clearly uh, there's a lot going on because the yeah. cars are going like. Yeah, rrr, rrr, this is rrr. why we don't have flying cars. I honestly believe we have the technology and the government. Of every country has gotten together and yeah, just decided we're not going to do it because they, they don't want to regulate it. No. How are we? Why don't let's not even try? Exactly. That technology exists. If we want to be flying, we could be flying. Right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but could you imagine living in Coruscant and being like, "Hey, do you know a good place to get my shoes repaired here?" Yeah, it's on the other continent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's in Coruscant. It's like what we're in Coruscant <laughs> right now. It's a great. No, I'm sorry, Coruscant, the city. Like, that might be in Africa away. That exactly right, right? Yeah, exactly. It's um, yeah, it's, uh, it's 80- fifty million blocks away. 
city of Coruscant. Well, it's one giant city. It's one giant city. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, do you live like h- how bad is your commute there? Is oh, it God. is it like you're like oh, shit? You know, I live four thousand <laughs> miles from my office. It, it takes me two days to get to the office. I'd love it if Coruscant had like a uh, a president, but also a mayor. Yeah, right. And they are equally powerful. And they just argue over who. Yeah. But Coruscant is one city, so oh, I'm well, the but mayor. Technically, I'm the president of the whole country. <laughs> a guy comes and he goes, "Well, I'm the ruler of the planet," and it's like we're all we all have also, the same job. The Jedi are there. Like they yeah, seem like they, they need to chill out. Like well, they want to be in such a busy place with yeah. all the honking horns. Yeah. You know, why aren't they on some nice peace planet? You know, some sort of, like, chilled out planet. Yeah, it's like if the Dalai Lama lived in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> or the Pope. Yeah, sure. He kind of does live in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Um, um, but anyway, we're talking about... <laughs> in the kitchens of Hell. <laughs> oh, boy, this is getting <laughs> Not in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> uh, no, uh, so we're talking about Naboo, though. And Naboo, Naboo. as a planet yeah. is... The, it, its status is it's the most gorgeous place in the world, right? Yeah, it all looks like one expensive like, it's uh, like retreat in Tuscany. Exactly, it's like it's like a rehab clinic. It's yeah. like it's like the whole planet was marble, it's and then promises. some people were born. Yeah, it's promises, right? Yeah, and the people were born, and they just carved buildings out of the marble. <laughs> but the whole planet is marble yeah. and trees yeah. and waterfalls. Yeah, that's like what you see. And it's everyone's gorgeous. fashion game is on point. Everyone is wearing eight costumes at once. Yeah. It, like, it, I, I swear to God. Yeah. It's crazy the clothes they wear. And it's great. I like that. And no one ever says, what I love also is that no one ever says, like, Qui-Gon. And I feel like almost any other movie would have some tossed off line where Obi-Wan is like, she's wearing the fucking craziest dress I ever saw. <laughs> like, right? Some some snarky line might be tossed in if this were a, a Marvel movie, but no one says like, "Hey, lady, like, why are you wearing all that? Like, you you, try, you need to walk around right now." Well, and I think this is a dangerous path because you know we talk about this too much. We could get into like very hacky like '90s Comedy Central make me laugh style routines about Padme's. This sounds great. Outfits. <laughs> let's let's do twenty minutes of that. But it also is like no, okay. I, I love her outfits. Oh, me love too. The they look incredible. They love look the incredible. makeup. But thinking about them practically, right? Yeah. Um, most countries in which the royalty or, or the appointed elected officials yeah. have some sort of uniform, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is the royal garb that you wear. It yeah. is just that. It is one uniform. Yeah, and you wear it like on special occasions, like, you know, once right. a year maybe or when you're being crowned, that kind sure. of stuff. Like the Queen of England doesn't walk around in her in her friggin', you know, crown jewels. And there is a decorum for how she's going to dress on a daily basis. Sure, There's a decorum yeah. for how she's going to dress at a royal ball or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, wear nice clothes, but it, nothing crazy. It's it just a dress. Feels like every fucking week, every fucking day, she's got to put on a whole different crazy thing. And it's not just a very complicated dress, but it's the accoutrements, it's the hair, it's the yeah. makeup. And not let's not forget her her planet is being blockaded. Yeah. Her people are dying. She says it over and over again. Uh, Amidala, the meeting is beginning any minute now. Oh, let me put a cubic ton of hair on, like, around my head. How long do you think that's going to take? Is it a wig, or is it... I I don't even know what it is. It's it's literally, like, some sort of, like, giant large hadron collider of hair that's just arced around my face. It just looks like she's spending, like, three hours in the hair and makeup truck every morning before they have to meet. I would legitimately love to ask Natalie Portman what it was like to wear those costumes, because they are so incredible, and I'm sure she has sort of a fond memory of 
looking like that. She's 14. She got to dress up. But, got paid money. But it must have been really crazy to uh, to walk around in that stuff. I think she probably couldn't very well. Yeah. She's sitting in chairs a lot. It's a lot of sitting. Yeah. Big well, chairs. A lot of leaning. <laughs> like, you know, big, huge chairs. Big fucking chairs. So let's, all right, let's delve but, but into this. Talking, the all logic right, of the ahead. film, either she is taking hours to prepare yeah. for each meeting. Right. In which case, she is delaying every meeting. Sure, or maybe she just doesn't sleep. Her maybe citizens n- are maybe dying. Maybe Nubians don't sleep. Okay, or she doesn't sleep, in which case, you're telling me we got a government official. You're telling me we have someone running this entire planet, and they're operating on, what, four, five hours of sleep at best? She has to cut into her sleep? She is a kid, though. Maybe that's it. So her hair can look You know, because, like, a 14-year-old can take a lot of no sleep. When I was 14, I, I would I'd sleep, like, four hours, and I'd be running around. You know, maybe that's the reason. It depends when puberty kicks in. I right. will say Nellie Portman, you know, a, a she, spelter. The actress was older than 14. Nellie Portman was older. No, I think she, no, maybe not, actually. Yeah. Look, the movie was 16 years ago. Nellie Portman's probably 30, right? Yeah, something like that. 32. I think she was, like, 14. Yeah. She might have been, yeah. 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 Um, but, but here's the big thing we need to talk about. For most of the movie, Natalie Portman, Academy Award winner Natalie Portman. She hadn't won an Academy Award yet, let's be honest. She had not won yet. No, but yes, now Academy Award winner. Now Academy Award winner Natalie Portman mm-hmm. is not playing Queen Amidala. It's true. She's not. She's not playing Queen Amidala. Most like, half the scenes. scenes. And maybe not most, but half at oh, least. Oh, I went through. Oh. Uh, Griffin is taking out a uh, book in which he has written things. Beginning of the film. Yeah. You see her on the screen. She's right. talking, talking to the Nemodians. To the yeah. It is Natalie That's Portman. That's her, yes. Then they cut down to Naboo. She's meeting with Sal Bibble, Captain Panaka, our bros, our favorite folk. Sal Bibble, just, just to explain, he's the guy with the sort of long pointy beard. He's played by renowned Shakespearean British actor Oliver Ford Davis. I do not know what his... Uh, his position is. I don't either. He seems never like explained. an aide. He's just chief griper. He's just the one who's always <laughs> like Queen Amidala. Yeah, he's you? like well, everything's terrible. We're yeah. all dying. Like he doesn't seem to understand that. Like she maybe doesn't need to hear it again. And also doesn't seem to do shit about it himself. Just no, wants to complain not to other at people. All. He is spending way too much time making that beard. Very come to like the finest point. You Cap- know when? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you know when someone complains? Uh, about something you do, but it's someone you don't like, so you start doing it more sure. just because you love seeing them get upset. Absolutely. Consciously or unconsciously. Ooh, I see. Do you have a theory? Maybe that's why Maybe Amadella's Bibble. dresses are that crazy. <laughs> right. Because Maybe one day, one day, yeah, he was just like, hey, you know, it's a it's a crisis. Maybe tone it down. It started with her just being like, look, I'm a little tired. Let me put on a little like concealer. I yeah, got let some me, zits. Yeah, let me paint one half of my lips red and one half white, but with a little red line I'm and saying, two red dots. I'm saying even a an white early, face. earlier start than that, right? Okay, all right her sure. first day she in just office. Was, she was just putting a little makeup on. She had a bunch of zits. She had a breakout. She put on some concealer. She wanted to straighten her hair because she went to sleep with wet hair because she didn't have time to wait for it to dry because she was on a limited schedule. Trade bucket. Goes to sleep with wet hair. Wakes up, has a breakout, her hair is a mess. Yeah. She's straightening it. He comes in, he goes, uh, Queen Amidala. She's just like, this fucking guy. He's pointy-eared. Asshole. Pointy-haired, even. He pointy might have pointy beard. ears. He's probably got pointy ears. You can't see it underneath his pointy hair. <laughs> <laughs> this okay. Shakespeare motherfucker. Okay, so we'll be out in a second. Yeah, okay. and then and then she's like, all right. Day two, let's do the got? lips. Yeah, exactly. Let's do one lip. Let's do one, let's do one lip red, one lip white. Just a little piss red off. line. Wait, it took you that long you didn't even finish the lipstick? And she's like, oh no, this is a style. Yeah, this is a thing I'm doing. This is my thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's no public tension between them, 
but she definitely does not seem close to Sayo Bibble, is no. all I'm going to say. Now, there's also Captain Panaka, who you mentioned. I love. Great actor. Cool guy. <laughs> cool guy. He's wearing a cool leather uniform with a like a kind of a 30s kind of hat thing going on. Like, you know, he's got yeah. this sort of old school hat. He, I got to admit, not the greatest leader of a military body you've ever seen because he just exists to say over and over again, we don't have an army. He just says that over and over. We can't fight a war. We don't have an army. I, I will say this. In terms of actions, yes, maybe he's not the best leader. Maybe he's not the best captain. In terms of attitude, he is. Because even agree. when he's saying fatalistic things. Very calm under pressure. He's very calm under pressure. And there's something very authoritative about yeah, him. I agree with that. Where it's just like, I told you, we don't have an army. Yeah. And it's like, okay, then I guess we shouldn't even argue about it anymore. Yeah, and like sometimes Amidala's like, hey, let me do this crazy thing. He's like, is that a good idea? But he doesn't He doesn't no. mess with it. You know, he's like, all right. He's you got know. real steady hands. Um, my brother was... Um, Captain Panaka for Halloween. No, that'd be great. <laughs> my brother was, I think, maybe your age, maybe a little younger, maybe okay. nine when the movie came out. He called him Captain Pancake. Just wanted to, <laughs> just wanted to get that out there. Anyway. Okay, so so that is all Queen Amidala. That is all, all Padme herself. Yeah, yeah. Rather. Early scenes, Queen Amidala. Yeah. Who, by Padme. the way, looking at her Wikipedia, Wikipedia, mm. Amidala is a name given to her it's a as a leader. Name. Yes. yes. It's like how the Japanese emperor has a, an emperor name right. and a real name. So Padme was her real name. Her last name was something else I'm not going to look up because we already spent enough time. It, I think it's Nibire. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Padme Nibire. And she got Amidala. She carried it with her after that. Uh, first scene is Padme. Yeah. Through to meeting with Bibble. Then we go to scene two where the Nemoidians are on Naboo. Okay, right. Yeah, they, they, they stage their invasion. Right. Yeah. But when they're first just talking to them, mm-hmm. not Natalie Portman. Nope. It is future Academy Award nominee, two-time Academy Award nominee. That's right. Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Playing character called Sabe. That's right. She is a decoy. And honestly, the last time I watched the movie, like a couple days ago, may have been the first time I realized that that early on. Yep. That that's Kira Knightley. Second appearance on screen, it's Kira Knightley. It helps that we now know who Kira Knightley is and what yes. she looks like. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're similar to, obviously the makeup is similar, the yeah. hair is similar, but she, you know, she looks different than Natalie Portman. There's another really clear key to figuring out whether or not Natalie Portman is playing Queen Amidala in any scene. Which is? Figure out if the character standing next to Queen Amidala is Natalie Portman. Right. Because that is what's going on here yep. at, at a basic level. Yep. Sometimes she won't be the queen. She'll play a, a handmaiden. Whose name is Padme. Whose name is Padme. Which because, everyone knows is the given birth name of their queen. I guess so. Is that? That's, I mean, it's never discussed, but you're right, right? Right? This is the big realization but I have But the don't night. know that shit. I mean, maybe okay. they have a Wikipedia that they can look at, though. I don't know. But it's weird in that maybe not everyone knows it, but it's common enough knowledge that you think they'd be like, yo, just call yourself Stacy. Right. But, I mean, to be fair, she's not walking around like, hi, I'm Padme the Handmaiden. Like, you know, sure. she's, she's, she's just chilling next to what looks like the queen, but is actually just one of her handmaidens done up like the she queen. She is just chilling. But when people ask her, like, hey, what's your name? She'd be like, oh, who me? Uh, uh, Padme. She might be like, uh, look over there and run away. Yeah. But when, when little no, Annie asks her, yeah, but he's just a he's just okay, a worthless just slave. Saying, if the whole idea is that she's under enough it's not threat, true, you know, it's Watto notes like the slave actually has a lot of worth. The slave is here. Oh boy, uh, we'll get to Watto, <laughs> my favorite character. But um, if the whole idea is that she is under enough constant threat that they need to have a decoy, yeah. But have her stand there all the time. Just right. give her a different fucking name. No, I agree with you. But I do think the general concept is clever. Like, they're not hiding her. They're just sort of mixing them all around so much that you, 
the, the viewer literally does not usually know who she is. Except I had maybe stupidly in the past thought that it was a rotating panel right. of handmaids. But no, it just seems like it's Keira Knightley or Natalie Portman. Yep. I always thought that it was like yeah. there were six now, decoys. I think that, that maybe possibly that is the case, but Lucas just kept it simple in this movie. But I'm not sure. I, but but you're right. In this movie, that is how it works. Well, looking at Wikipedia, they have the list of the handmaidens, and I read most of, of the entries. One of them is played by Sofia Coppola. Uh, another, a future Academy Award winner. That's right. That's right. So within the group of, of Amidala, first screen credit. For screenplay. No, for, oh, for, for, for screenplay. No, her first screen credit is uh, Godfather 3, right? No, her first screen credit, if I'm not mistaken, I don't is think the Godfather she's credited. Two. Oh, is she in two? All right. I know she's in one. She's the baby. Yeah. But she's also in uh, uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. And yeah, right. right, right. All right, and, right and, Sophia. Whatever. And bu- I think she, she said like she just wanted to be in the movie to watch it. Get she made. was about to do Virgin Suicides, yeah. and she thought it'd be interesting to watch Uncle George work. Yeah. In her words. Hey, man. I get it. I'd, I'd be. I'd play a handmaiden right now. Oh, me too. Oh God! I'd throw that little hood on. Oh God! I'd they're wearing. They're hood. wearing these very modest little hoods. The, pan, the handmaidens. They look so adorable. They do. They, it's. It's a good setup. Can I read you the list of all their names? I don't know if you've read the list of all the names before. Please, never allowed. Okay. Once again, this group contains three future Academy Award winners slash nominees. Right. So, a, a prodigious group. Yeah, absolutely. So we have Amidala, Padme. Padme. Then the handmaidens are as follows. Sabe. Mm-hmm. Irite. Ooh. Rabe. Sashe. <laughs> Yane. Fei. And, and parentheses in training, Dane. Ooh. Dane appears to be extended universe. It appears oh, to be I, she's not. She's not part of the film. Okay. Yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, whatever. There's, yeah. I think there's six of them. You don't see a ton of them. There's really only one scene where the handmaiden seems to do anything, which is when uh, Padme is playing a handmaiden, and she sort of leans over and talks to her for a second. Now here's, I, I want to just talk about Irite for a second. Okay. Irite was brought up as a wealthy girl in a remote river valley of Naboo. She was the only applicant for the queen's handmaidens who had blonde hair and blue eyes, in contrast to Amidala's brown hair and brown eyes. She was sometimes known as the blonde handmaiden. Once again, this is official. Lucas, it is the canon Wikipedia. Yeah. backstory to these characters, right. right? Yeah, all that is fine. I you would assume if you clicked on any of the handmaidens, you'd get that much information. Right? Oh, she grew up in this small town. Yeah, blah, blah, oh, this blah. is her hair color. This and that. Wait a second. Irite has had also taken the same examinations as Amidala to run for the position of queen, but lost the election to Amidala. Wait a second. She's a handmaiden. Maybe, maybe like just give her a different job. She's close to being queen. Yeah, she she's combing her hair every day. Imagine if the guy, the runner-up for president... Mitt Romney. What had, if Mitt Romney was the butler? Had to be Secret Service. <laughs> Secret Service. Secret Service. Even more than the butler, the Secret Service, because in reading the full Handmaid Wikipedia entry, they make it very clear that the handmaids are trained to know that they might have to yeah, they, give they, their life to protect the queen. Right. They're, they're like bodyguards. They yeah. really are like bodyguards. Yeah. They're like Secret Service. The decoy thing is the same thing. They're trained in like, you know, Captain Pinaka gives them, I don't know, you know couple weeks down at the shooting range or something like they're trained in guns and stuff oh yeah and like kung fu and all that shit why <laughs> they're training kung fu. they're definitely training kung fu but like why is sabe having to dress up like queen amidala so that if someone takes out a gun and shoots her yeah. they won't have shot the queen right she knows your deal is hey 
Upside, you get to wear some pretty tight dresses. Downside, mm-hmm. you're almost definitely going to get shot in the face. Especially, at some point. Especially if there happens to be a blockade. And also, like, this is the first queen of the country. Right. It, it's like, this is a new thing. It's all new. It's a very volatile situation. So the queen of the country, anyone apparently over the age of seven can run. <laughs> but if you lose... You have to be on security detail for the person who won and maybe die protecting their position. I had no idea. I mean, maybe she wanted to. Maybe that's maybe that was how deep her sense of civic duty ran. This is what I'm this is what I'm saying. <clears throat> Arite and the other handmaids were trained in self-defense and marksmanship by Amadala's head security, Captain Panaka. We know all of that. Sure. She particularly excelled in dealing with protocol and spotting treachery. Fine. However, she was less skilled in martial arts than the other handmaidens. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But you were right. Kung fu. Thank you. Yeah, I, she sounds bad. One, she doesn't look like her. Two, she is a former political rival. Three, she does not know kung fu. As well. Okay, and what? She's good at spotting treachery. Great. Sayo Bibble's sitting right over there. I don't know. Uh, I'd like to read a quote that's on uh, Arate's. Uh, this episode's all about Arate. Oh, boy. Uh, Arate's uh, Wikipedia uh, there's a quote from an issue of uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars comic book sure Skywalker in fact I'm pretty sure it's Amidala's decoys Sabe and Arate Arate actually I'm Arate Sabe and I'm Sabe attributed to Anakin Skywalker unable to distinguish between Sabe and Arate (laughs) Griffin I'm not sure that was worth (laughs) <laughs> the seeming 40 minutes it took. I think it was. This is why I want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Is there more? Yeah. No, okay, I want ahead. to talk about it. Arate, <laughs> who has no dialogue in the film. And also has blonde hair and blue eyes. Yep. And also <laughs> lost. <laughs> lost the election for queen. Right. Because apparently she wasn't good enough at martial arts. Yeah, right. Has no dialogue in the film. Whoever was assigned to write this officially sanctioned Wikipedia entry for Arate, which, by the way, has 12 different sections on it. <laughs> like, 12 different pull-down sections, okay? Oh Felt the God. need to, under the section, later career, include a dialogue exchange to try to flesh out or understand the character more. You're not even getting to the main thing, which is, apparently Skywalker can't tell the difference between a woman with brown hair and one with blonde hair. What is going on? This isn't even he can't tell the difference between Sabe and Padme. He can't tell the difference between Sabe and Arate. Everyone knows what Arate looks like. Exactly. Who played her in the film, by the way? God, let's find out. That's a separate section. Uh, yeah, behind we, the scenes. Yeah, I always hate that. They, 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 the whole Wikipedia entry acts like it's a real person, and then at the end they're like, oh, it's played by some jerk-off. David, okay. I am so, so happy. <laughs> That you asked me. <laughs> Who played Irite? Because her name is... Lily Tomlin. Friday. <laughs> quote, Liz, unquote, Wilson. Wow. Friday, Liz Wilson. She was like, Liz Wilson, and then she was like, you know what? I need a more exotic name. No, no, her name was Friday Wilson, and then she was like, I should have the option of having a more normal name, and then put Liz in quotes. Her name is Friday. Liz is the nickname. Friday Liz Wilson. There she is. She kind of looks like Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Anyway. Friday Liz Wilson. 
They also make it clear here in the children's book, Queen Disguise, Erite's hair was erroneously colored brown, while in the comic story in Triplicate, her name was misspelled Erite. So here's the misspelling. Nobody's perfect. The proper spelling is E-I-R-T-A-E accenti grave. <laughs> and the misspelling is E-R-I-T-A-E accenti grave. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of accents. Padme... Sabe, it's a, it's all accent. it's all accent. Yeah. Sasha, yeah, Sasha is lazy. That is, and the one, the, the one that's just Faye. Yeah, Sasha played by Sofia Coppola. That oh, Sasha is Sophia Coppola. Sophia Coppola. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't do anything in the movie, as far as I know. Uh, no. Uh, her bio is the shortest and the biggest uh, info within it. The biggest scoop within it is of all the handmaidens, Sasha was the only one not to attend the celebration parade. She probably had like diarrhea or something, or she was just. She was, was just like, like George, I don't want to film this movie. <laughs> right. She was like, George, I'm about to go become like a way more accomplished filmmaker than you. I got a heart out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even though she was president of Qui Gon Jinn's funeral, so yeah. fair weathered friend. Well, that's good. That's good. She you know, that's the important you got you want to be there. Spoiler alert, by the way, Qui Gon Jinn dies in this film. Bites it real hard. Yeah. Yeah. He takes a lightsaber to the chest hole. Uh What's the opposite of a fair-weathered friend? Because she wasn't there at the celebration. She's she was there at like, the funeral. She's there when you need her, right? I don't know what you call that. Oh, she only is there when it's a bummer of an event. Well, but that's when, you know, like the, the celebration, who cares, right? Sure. I don't know. Yeah, There's I a agree. million people there. When things are going well, you, it's an embarrassment of riches, friend-wise. Exactly. You yeah. don't need anybody. Okay, so when they land on Naboo, it's Sabe. Right. That's when the escape is orchestrated. Yes, that's when the Jedi's uh, attack. That's when, for some reason, is it two or do all six escape? God, I just watched this movie. I watched this eight hours ago and I couldn't tell you. <laughs> who, who, you know, so in the plot of the film, who who escapes like, onto the just, ship? So just to briefly recap the film, the, yeah, the Moidians, the Royal are, Starship. Yeah, the Nemoidians invade Naboo yeah. with their droid armies, their mm-hmm. droid, droids. their yeah, their droid ships and everything. Mm-hmm. They take the palace because there's no army on Naboo, mm-hmm. and then somehow the Jedi sneak out uh, the the Queen, Qui Gon, Anakin, all or no, they not Anakin, Anakin. Qui Gon, Obi Wan, all the handmaidens, Padme, Captain Tanaka, Panaka. That's what I said. I think I thought you said Tanaka. Oh, Captain Pancake. Was Tanaka? <laughs> I didn't say Tanaka. Uh, yeah, they they sneak all those guys out. Not yeah. Sayo Bibble. Clearly, Amidala was like, "Don't bring he's that there. motherfucker." He's there. He stays. He stays back. Yeah. Um, get him on the ship. Throughout all of that, it's Sabe. But but Padme is with him. It's just yes. Sabe is being the queen. But yes. the question I'm trying to answer. No, is, I, I understand. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, they, what scenes is Padme playing the queen? They get on an ostentatious silver. Uh, spaceship. And you thought TC-14's T-Tray was shiny. This is... Naboo, by the way, very clearly, ostentatiousness is like the name of the game there, right? Everyone's wearing crazy clothes. Yeah. Every palace is the size of a freaking, I don't know, tower. I don't know. They're big. And trying to answer a question, is this what this fucking movie's about? Is this George Lucas's version of, like, rules of the game where he's, like, trying to show a, a culture of decadence sure. of overprivilege yeah. for its wealthy upper class that right. needs to crumble. Yeah, we're, is this a situation where the old ways just simply cannot maintain anymore? Exactly. This is actually a great point because, yes, because right, the Trade Federation represents kind of the lowest 
uh, you know, there's sort of a cut rate thing, right? right? Like they got these chintzy battle droids to do their fighting for sure. them. They got these lame donut ships. Yeah. And they were walking around. And um, and yeah, Naboo is the opposite. It's this burnished sort of like upper crust, peaceful, leave us alone. What? Like, you know, uh, the Captain Panaka with his leather jodfurs and his little, his little hat. And, you know, I'm going to do eight costume changes in one day. Like maybe... And their silver ship. Maybe, maybe this maybe, is maybe something that cannot girl just... shouldn't be running countries. Yeah, that's that's how good things have gotten. That they're just like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Let the fourteen-year-old do it for a She's while. She's cute. Yeah, she looks great. Just throw her up on the throne. Because there is, it, there's a weird kind of mixed message to it. Where on one hand, it feels like a very very paranoid film. Where George Lucas, yeah. a man with an incredible amount of money, yeah, who lives in a secret ranch, basically in the middle of the mountains, is afraid of a government meddling with its people, trying to control them, trying yeah. to take things away from them, not let them sell products <laughs> or buy products. Right? On one hand, that feels like that's the case, sure. But on the other hand, it does feel a little bit like, you know, this sort of the the classic American story of crime and capitalism being close bedfellows. You know, and how other countries had these sort of traditions of, you know, you mm-hmm. were born into privilege. It was about your bloodline. It was about yep. your socioeconomic class, your family, where it had been. You could only grow so much out of what you were born into. Sure. Whereas in America, you could swindle your way to whatever you wanted to be. You work hard enough. You're cutthroat enough. You make enough money. Okay. That's royalty. So where are you taking this? You're just like rich people? like that. Well, the Phantom Menace in the film is the dismantling of- Of the aristocracy. The sort of the aristocracy of the, of, world, of the proper the government. Yeah. You know, we're going to get to a point where it's just yeah. chaos. And it's like a gloopy government. It's a government that doesn't really function anymore. Right. right? You know, the Senate is just sort of mired in discussion all the time. Right. The Jedis are the one thing that doesn't have an analog. Because the way they behave in this movie, mm-hmm. they're like the freaking Vatican. You know, like they're well, these that's like monks, say. right? That's what I was going to say. They're like the Vatican. They're but, like... But like you have to pass a blood test to be a Jedi. That's the <laughs> weird part of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that later, I feel like. Yeah, I think Jedi Council is its own episode. Oh, my. What is happening in there? Where do they poop? Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. In the chairs. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, They all right? sit in those big chairs. Like, in the Jedi Council, he just leaves and they're just still sitting there. Do they all just sit there looking at each other all day? Yeah, like, they don't even have computers or anything to look at. Are they just sitting there? Of course. They just blissed out on Molly. Is that what they're doing? They're just, not just sitting there. They're pooping. <laughs> they're laying solid foundations. That's the highest level of Jedi is just, it's just constant pooping. Here's a fact. They never stand up in the film. <laughs> no, they do not. You see them all seated the whole time, but the action figures came with the chairs, and if you looked in the chair, there was a hole for poo-poo to <laughs> All right, so back to Padme. Back to, you had your list. I want to finish off your list. On the ship, they start strategizing. It's still Sabe. Kira Knightley is in the chair. Now, across these last two scenes, when the Nemoidians are there, when she's talking to Sal Bibble, when they're on the ship... Strategizing with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. What are we going to do? Sabe is making all the decisions. She is. Queen, how do you think we should act? And she's just speaking confidently. Do they know what questions she's going to be asked? Are they training her in advance? Is power being transferred over to Sabe as long as she's the decoy? There's one moment where they ask her a question. I don't remember what it was. I'm sorry I didn't write it down. I apologize. I'm trying my hardest here. But they ask her a question, and she sort of glances over to Padme, and Padme gives her a knowing look, and then she's like, that won't be necessary, or yeah. whatever she says. I was going to say, there does seem to be a little bit of rapport. There's one moment. Yeah. But other than that, Padme's just standing there silently while someone else- Runs the country. 
issues, you know, royal decrees. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so then they go, we got to land. There's an attack. They Their hyperdrive gets blasted. They send right, R2-D2 right. out to fix it, but yep. it's still fried. Which brings me to my very, very brief merchandise sidebar of the week. America's favorite segment. Yeah, I love Griff's this. merchandise sidebar. I'm excited. This is how extreme the excitement was around Phantom Menace and how confident they were that they could sell anything. There was a toy made. In addition to all the action figures, all the vehicles, that they yeah, knew kids yeah. wanted, the Comtech chips, which everyone was crazy oh about. Was there a hyperdrive? There was a set called Hyperdrive Repair Kit. <laughs> they were so confident in kids buying anything that in addition to the figures uh, that came with accessories, they sold packs that were additional accessories. So it's like, here's the Naboo underwater creature accessory pack. Sure. Right. You get a few little Naboo creatures. Yeah. Here's additional like battle droid weapons. And it was you get a blister cart and it would just have guns on it. Usually you buy a figure, you get a gun. This was like, okay, distribute the guns. I'm going to show you guys here. We'll post this on whatever online thing we have soon, the yeah. Tumblr or the Twitter. Yeah. We're recording this episode in advance of any of them being released, <laughs> we'll, so we we'll haven't figured these things shit. out. But all this will be visible somewhere, which we'll tell you later. But this is just a picture. It's just a hyperdrive on a package. Okay, so yeah, it's basically a circle. Um, That's the panel that you remove to get into the inner wiring of the right. hyperdrive. Okay, and then there's some wrenches, a spanner. It looks like a credit card is what it looks like, right? It's like <laughs> yeah. a thick credit card. It's like a pack of playing cards, and it's got some detailing on it, and it's broken. The idea was that it's the burnt hyperdrive. Right, and you, you screw in the sort of replacement part, right? Because there's a, another piece that fits yes. into it. Yeah. Well, it says three removal panels and four tools. So it comes with four very exciting tools, a wrench, something that looks like a meat cleaver. <laughs> They're all wrenches. It comes with four wrenches. It comes with four different wrenches, <laughs> space wrenches. And the idea was it, a lot of fun for kids. You get to take the panels on and off the hyperdrive. Now, here's my question. Does yeah. this, if you bought the ship, the spaceship, Great does, it, question, does it fit into it? Yes, it does. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. That I mean, was, and by pretty cool, I mean not cool. But, you know. That was the idea, was that the spaceship came, I think, with the undamaged hyperdrive. Okay. And you had to separately so, buy the hyperdrive. It's interesting. Like, if <laughs> you just want to play act a hyperdrive crisis of yeah. some sort, yeah. you would need to buy that additional. Or, you know, use your imagination. Yeah. But why not buy that thing? Maybe this is the... I can't tell which one this is. But there was... It did fit into the ship. I know that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you own that toy? The hyperdrive repair? No, I wish I did. Did you own the ship? No. Okay. No, I didn't. You know, and I'll, I'll have you know, and I'm sure all of our listeners know this already... But in a uh, 2003 uh, list in uh, the now uh, canceled Toy Fair magazine, okay. the Naboo World Starship was voted the number one best Star Wars toy of all time. Well, that seems a little high, but it's a very sleek, sexy ship. It was a good toy. It was large. You could put Rick Olay in there. That's the pilot yep. of the Starship, who is uh, one of the most infuriating characters of the whole movie, I think. Good man. He he. I mean, we were complaining about exposition. He yeah. literally just just delivers exposition. Just tells them where they're about to land as if they didn't know where they were yeah, heading. Exactly. And uh, says things like, oh, we're going to need the hyperdrive to get by these guys. Yeah, no shit we're going to need a hyperdrive. <laughs> Why don't you go to Toys R Us and buy one? They're selling them separately for fucking $10. Here's another thing. The hyperdrive repair kit was part of like... A later wave of releases, they were like, "We're going to keep on selling this oh, merchandise." Oh, wasn't it? Wasn't in the initial, the initial push? They were like, "This is when you know fans were going to buy anything." So it's very, very limited. Uh, they're currently going for fifty dollars <laughs> online if you just want to buy the hyperdrive. That is just outrageous. Okay, so that's merchandise sidebar. I like. They it. get on the starship. Yeah, they get on the starship. Sabe is the queen. They go. We're going to have to uh, stop on Tatooine to get a new hyperdrive. Right. Even though you could just go to Toys R Us. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's because they have to. They just they're in hyperdrive for a while, and they have to get they have to drop out because it's it broken. Burns out. Yeah, and so they just drop out near this shit desert planet run yeah. by the huts. Right, but but not part goes, of the galactic. Senate. She goes. Uh, you got to take my handmaiden with you. Right, and Qui Gon. Oh, I just want to interject before we go too far ahead. Uh, that scene where. They introduce R2-D2 to the queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, she I'm sorry, is, they introduce R2-D2 to Sabe, the royal to the queen. queen. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And uh, she says, clean the droid up. Yeah. Why did we have to see that? Hey, man. What is the point of that he, scene? He's a dirty droid. You gotta clean him up. Like, yeah, but once again, this is Sabe. She's not even the queen. <laughs> That's what happens when you, put, when you take... Just a girl who happens to look like the queen and give her all the power to say whatever she wants. It's a little like Dave. It's a little like the Ivan Reitman movie, Dave. Sure. Yeah. In a country where anyone can become president, anyone just did. Yeah. President has a heart attack. They find a guy who looks exactly like the president. They go, just read the script, say what we're telling you to say. But he realizes that he has the power because anything he says in front of the camera will be, quote unquote, what the president said. Exactly. And, and maybe Sabe. Sabe's like, hey. I'm in charge for a bit. Let's let's clean some droids. She's a neat freak. Yeah, she's a total neat freak. That's the thing. They're all like, it's like grumpy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Padme's shooting her the side eyes going, Sabe, stick to the script. Let the fucking droid be dirty. Who cares? She's going, if I got, uh, first of all, let's get a handy wipe. <laughs> she says, nice to meet you, R2-D2. Yeah, Come is, on. The whole thing is bizarre because it is funny. That's R2-D2. Uh, he just pops out of the... Out of the, I don't know, droid pocket on the ship. Like he was a fucking lotto ball. Yeah. Like he just happened to be the guy. <laughs> There's yeah. like four others, or three others, I think. Mm-hmm. They all get exploded. All of them. They set R- them all up at the same time. Right. R2 yeah. um, fixes the hyperdrive he's a little a good bit. Droid. Yeah, he's a good And he goes down there, and they're like, oh, thanks, buddy. Do you really want to get to know him? You just lost three of them. Yeah. Like, maybe just put him back in the chamber. Yeah. The whole relationship with robots in this movie is... So strange. Yeah. Very so strange. strange. It's not explored, because like... He has a personality. Mm-hmm. He clearly has one, and they're happy, and they clean him up. He can't clean himself. He doesn't have any arms. Great. <laughs> so maybe he's in cahoots with Sabe. with Sabe. Maybe he was talking to Sabe on the download, and he was like... He, like, winks his little eye light at her, and he's like, give me a fucking shower at the very least. Like, Bitch, geez. let's get on the level. <laughs> he's like, I know you ain't the queen. My ass is stinky. I'm a computer. I need to be cleaned and stacked. <sighs> my ass is stinky. That's what R2D2 says. That's what he it. says. That's he what he goes, says. My ass is stinky. Yeah. And so she's like, "Don't worry. Next time I'm in the chair." Right. Yeah. 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 Panaka's there. Cause she, cause Sabe likes to check in with the droids in their little droid container. Well, she also likes to fuck droids. <laughs> that's we the problem even... with Sabe. They're trying to put her, keep her on that's a short a, leash. That's not even on the Wikipedia. That's not on the Wikipedia. That's, 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 that's on the Grippopedia. Yeah. It's exclusive. It's exclusive. That's exclusive. A scoop. All right. Um, so on the They planet, land on Tatooine. It's all Padme. Yeah, Padme goes with them. Qui-Gon, by the way, renowned Jedi master, mm-hmm. at no point seems aware of this deception. No, no one does. He's like, I gotta bring a fucking maid? Why? No one, no one no seems one aware. No one is like, huh, are you the queen? Are you, do you, you hey, look like the queen? You that girl who works for the queen, who has the exact <laughs> same first name as the queen, and has the face of the queen. And also, I'm a Jedi and I have mental powers. Yeah. <laughs> right. I are can you see the queen? what's going to happen. <laughs> hey, Qui-Gon, why don't you look about 30 pages ahead in this script? You're going to get a lightsaber in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> you dumb dickwad. <laughs> you dumb dickwad. <laughs> you big dick dummy. 
Oh, boy. Producer anyway. Ben has one last interjection. Okay. Okay. I just want to also point out they steal a Spaceballs joke. They do? They do. What's the Spaceballs joke? And tell me if I'm wrong. No, sure. But at one point when they're discussing the hyperdrive, the equipment, they mention the fact, yeah, well, we've got a bunch of the Queen's uh, clothes. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's they true. do they say that. They steal a joke from Spaceballs. And I'll say, actually, you know, now that you point out, there is that scene during the Duel of Fates, that moment during the Duel of Fates fight when um, they cut um, Darth Maul's lightsaber in half uh-huh. and then his penis turns into another lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> that also felt like it was stolen from Spaceballs, <laughs> is when his pee-pee turns into a laser sword. I was outraged when I saw that one in particular. Well, it's just, it's just it's blatant also, theft. It's worth noting that they're like, geez, we got a bunch of our fucking clothes. We got we managed to smuggle those on this ship somehow. Like, yeah. Why are they bringing her clothes? It was a last second escape. No one else in this movie ever changes their clothes. It wasn't a planned escape. They were just walking. Those, the we don't see those came. trunks. No. The yeah. Jedi's attack, they were just like, what, quick, what ship can we get on? we got to get out of here right now because it's and infested with just, like, just one second. Just wait one second. <laughs> and just has eight wheelie bags. Yeah. And she gets on there. Yeah. Maybe there's just, maybe it's just every royal ship just has a bunch of clothes preloaded yeah. in case she needs to make several costume changes during a space flight. Maybe, because they all have those big flowing robes with those hoods and you can't even see their arms. They just sort of look like little teepees. Right. Maybe underneath, each of them is constantly carrying two trunks worth of clothes. <laughs> Sashe, Verite. <laughs> Verite? That's not one of them, is it? I don't know. Anything can be a name. All right. Padme. Tazon Day. Padme. Que- yeah. Tazon. Padme. Queen of the Naboo. Is just on Tatooine. Goes on Tatooine. Goes yeah. on to a, a, a gangster planet. Yep. Chills out in the sand, meets a slave. You know, we'll, we'll, I think we'll, get, we'll do more on Tatooine later. <laughs> Sexual chemistry. With a six-year-old boy yeah. or eight, maybe. I don't know. Once it again, is, yeah. its own episode. Let's not get We're, into we'll, it. We'll do all that stuff. Right now. Um, and then she gets back on the, on the space plane, on the old spaceship. Still um, Sabe. Still Sabe is the queen. They have Anakin with them. There are scenes back there where they introduce uh, uh, Anakin to Obi-Wan, still yep, Sabe, right? Yep, yep. Then they get to Coruscant. They get to Coruscant. That's right. I forgot about this. Right. When they get off the planet Coruscant, it's once again. It's um, Amidala is back in the Ragnals. Yes. yes. It's true because she goes to the Galactic Senate. She yes. meets with the um, the with Senator Palpatine. Who Chancellor Valorum. Yes. She meets Chancellor Valorum. She goes to the Senate. She does the vote of no confidence. She does a whole scene in the Senate. That's all Natalie Portman. All she Natalie says, Portman. You know, made to die in a committee. Like she, she's back to the weird voice. When they present, uh, when they're getting ready to present Anakin, she's wearing Council. a clothes hanger under. Right, she has these yeah. like pointy shoulders. It's oh yeah, very strange. When they're getting ready to present Anakin to the Jedi Council, he comes in, sneaks into a room, yeah. probably hoping to see some titties. Yeah. Well, because yeah. he's like, oh, is something going on here. They're dressing uh, Queen Amidala who is now Natalie Portman. Right. And uh, he goes, hey, is Padme here? And she's like, uh, no, I'm sorry, Padme is not here presently, in her weird stilted voice. Right. And he's like, well, probably going to go away for the rest of my life now, so can you just tell her to say go- uh, goodbye? And he just murders these lines. He gets, right. Yeah, it's so good. And she's like, I'll make sure she hears it. And right. once again, he doesn't realize that, like, oh, he's that's a- weird. Why is Padme not here? Her one job is to constantly be next to the queen. Right. Also, why is there some other girl I haven't seen before? And why is the girl I'm talking to look and sound like Padme? None of that, right? 
It's true. No one during the movie ever says like, "What's up with that? What's up?" Yeah, with, whatever. But we, this is we a, mentioned bit, that a bigger point I'm building up to the denouement of this episode, if yep. you will. Absolutely. Um. Okay, so all of that, right? Yeah. She does her coruscant. Business. Does coruscant. Then they get back on and the she's ship. She's like, "I'm going back to Naboo." And I'm going, like, back, You're going to back to Naboo. Back to Naboo. Right. Once again, Sabe. Right. She's Sabe. Again. Once she gets back on the ship, it's Sabe. Yeah. Once they get to Naboo, it's, it's Sabe. It's weird that it's Sabe on the ship where she's under the least threat. Mm-hmm. It's weird that that's when she does it. Yep. Well, whatever. Okay, so now it's Sabe. They land back on Naboo. It's Sabe. Yep. Talking to Sayo Bibble. It's Sabe. Yep. Meeting with the Gungans. It's Sabe. Wait a second. Negotiations are moving along fine. She's trying to get the Gungans yeah. to decide to fight for them because yes. the Panakas made clear they don't yep. have an army. By the way, they land on Naboo. And they're like, huh, where are the Gungans? And Charger's like, oh, I know, over there. And they just like walk and just cut to the Gungans in their secret yep. place, which is just more forest. We'll get to right. the Gungans later, but. Yeah. Uh, it's on episode. Hello? Once again, it's on episode. This is the future. They're right? talking. He goes, eh, I don't want to fight for you. And, yeah. and uh, Sabe is Yeah, going, the Gungans are not into it. Yeah. Well, you must understand. And Padme like cuts her off. Yeah, Padme's like, Sabe, I don't want to hear another word out yeah. of you. I am Queen Amidala. And yes. he's like, Ugh! By the way, no one's like, oh, no, no, you're not. You're actually just a handmaiden. Yeah. Uh, talking to the queen. Everyone. Everyone's just like, oh, you're right. It's totally that one. It, Why is everyone like that? Everyone's either aghast or there's a great moment where they cut to Qui-Gon yeah, giving like, Obi-Wan a knowing look. Like, oh. And Obi-Wan kind of smirks and yeah. he's like, well played. Yeah, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're both like, like very both appreciative. Like, good job. Ooh. And <laughs> nicely done. I think the whole purpose of this, honestly, yeah. is the concept is she is finally lifting the veil and saying mm-hmm. to the Gungans, who are Naboo's sort of second class, yeah. hey, I trust you enough to give you this information. That was the idea. I actually like have Kira Knightley play me a lot of the time, and I I go hang out with uh, slaves on uh, desert sh- planets, and you know sometimes. I I ironically enough have only worn two of the seven iconic outfits in this movie because exactly. most of the time this other bitch is playing me. Exactly. I've been saying bitch a lot on this mm, episode. Don't like it. What if I apply it to guys? So this bitch boss ass. <laughs> yeah. Is he, like he's his own problem. He, what's he like? He's like, <laughs> that's what he's like. He goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> that's not what he sounds like. He is his own. Oh, I am Boston. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's another white actor doing a completely different thing. <laughs> also completely offensive. Yep. Uh, he yeah. loves slobbering out the side of his mouth. Okay, so from this point on, it's Padme, but now she's not in the Royal Queen garb. She's in this sleek number. Yep. She's got kind of a flight she's suit. Kind of she's got a gun. Yeah, yeah, got yeah. Got a little cape. Got a- Sexy gun. Sexy. Everyone gun. else has this sort of classic Star Wars blaster kind of big blocky thing. Yeah. She has this like sleek, pointy little silver. Mm-hmm. Everything is so silvery and sexy. Oh, so much silver must be their main export. Silver no, must... they don't export. Remember, they have to import oh, right. everything. But sil- what is this planet? Silver must be to Naboo what corn is to America. I don't. Where they're right. just, they're, just, they're just they they're got just too hooked. much. They're just hooked on it. Yeah. No, this is a planet that has no products and has to import products. That's the whole Correct. point of the trade blockade. Ooh, like, and the invasion. I, I would. Yeah, what they I, I still don't understand why they invade. I don't <laughs> we'll understand why. That. For guys who are so concerned with whether or not things are legal, he finds <laughs> out. Well, <laughs> David just knocked his mic off his mic stand in frustration. <laughs> he was gesticulating so wildly. In frustration. For guys, oh boy. That what, what happens is, and they keep on asking whether Thank or not things are legal. Man. I won't do my impression again, but they keep on asking whether or not things are legal. They want to block trade. 
Yeah. She's like, you can't do that. And they're like, oh, you say we can't do that? Then we'll invade your planet. <laughs> it's very clearly illegal. Right. But Which, then again, they just do what Darth whatever tells them to do. That's akin to being like, I think you're a thief. Oh, you think my I'm a thief? For accusing me of being a thief, I will now murder somebody. <laughs> you're accusing me of doing a small crime? I will now commit a greater crime. And what is it they want out of Naboo even? Like, I don't know what, what they want what, out of Naboo. What demands will they not yield to? Like, they're just blockading. Makes sense. The whole thing makes, makes sense. Makes okay. Sense. So now, sense. now it's on Badala. It's yeah. the last 25 minutes of the movie. Right. We finally revealed who's who. Sabe is out like yesterday's newspaper. But she's paper. not really. She's still wearing the, the regnal clothes. I know. And now she's in the middle of a war in yeah, a battlefield. she's in a firefight. She's in a tough dress. She can't. She's <laughs> carrying it up by the side. She she's does, tiptoeing around. She does have a slightly more stripped down like version of it. But For it's sure. still, she's but, got like. Crazy hair, makeup, yeah. it's true. I feel bad for the girl. Hey, man. Kira Knightley's doing just fine. Hey, she's doing great. Just got her second Oscar nomination. Congratulations. Lost Kira. to the great Patty Arquette. She did. The great. Yeah, great. Patty Patty, Patty A. Patty A. Yeah. Uh, Patty Cakes. Um, so now Amidala saves the day, whatever. Right. At the end of the movie, there's a celebration. No, but there is one last scene that you're forgetting where it's like, uh, the Nemoidians are in the throne room, mm-hmm. and they're like, they see oh, Amidala, right. and they're like, "Oh, there she is!" And then suddenly, like Padme bursts in, and she's like, "No, it's me!" And he says, uh, "Well, that one, that you know, I guess right." They send him after Kira Knightley because yeah. they think that's the real one. Sure. And yes. he says about Padme, "Yeah, this one's a decoy." Yeah. 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 Okay. So great job. I guess it worked. Yeah. There's a whole like she sits on it and like gets some secret guns. It's a really yeah, so dumb I, scene. I guess uh, congratulations, it does, it people of Naboo. Right. It was worth your it time was to incredibly do. convoluted plot pays off. Like it gives them like ten seconds in which to pull one over the Nemoidians. It like it grants like a little bit of a window of time. The whole thing. But here's my big question. Now, to wrap up this episode. You have a big question? Yep. We've discussed its importance within the text of the film, within the story. It did work, ultimately. You gained two seconds. Congratulations. About as effective as sending TC-14 with the tea tray to, quote-unquote, distract them. <laughs> Maybe they should have sent TC-14 They always should send TC-14. Yeah. Sending a drug. <laughs> Why aren't you doing an Amidala voice? Because she has the most bizarre fucking accent in this I movie. I think. It's she just like, when she's being the queen, too. Yeah. Otherwise, she's like, oh, hey, pal, I'm yeah. American. Like, you know, and she, like, eats a big old hamburger. Yeah. But when she's Am the I queen- an angel? No. So you're a slave? Like, she's like normal kid. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the time she goes, the people of Naboo I have will not asked for- sit here and discuss this yeah. in a committee. Not is the word. I will not- <laughs> Every good impression has a key. There's one word you can use to unlock right, the rest right, of it. Right. I will not. Um, okay, so it worked, right? But here's my bigger question. I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. That was in the trailer. I remember that. It was a very, very brooding moment. The movie tried to present this as a surprise to us, the audience. Yeah, right. We're not discussing anymore whether or not it was a surprise yeah, to yeah, the characters, yeah, no. whether it yeah, worked. To the audience. Yeah. To the audience. It was a piece of cinema. Aside from the fact that all the merchandise ruined it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Forget the, yeah. Forgetting the, the oh, look, a lot of the audience not as into the merchandise. I look, I was I was following things very closely. And the Taco Bell toy was called uh, Queen Amidala's secret identity. <laughs> and it had a Padme figure that you could put inside a Queen Amidala figure. <laughs> all right. All right. So that ruined it pretty thoroughly. Not everyone was following the yeah, fast whatever. food toy market as much as I was at that time at the ripe old age of 10. <laughs> right. Okay, but even discounting that, Natalie Portman was considered a rising star. 
She'd done Leon the Professional. She'd yeah. done Beautiful Girls, maybe one other movie. She'd uh, done Bugs Diary Van... had come out. Yeah. She'd done Diary Van Frank on Broadway. Yeah, so she was like a big... It was a big deal. Oh, here's this rising star. She's now in Star Wars. This yeah. is going to make her a huge movie Absolutely. star. A lot of press around her being in it. Mm-hmm. In the trailers, they really played up Queen Amidala. They were showing the shots from the beginning with her with the yeah. classic, the red dress, and the crazy hair, all that stuff, right? All the marketing material was, here's Queen Amidala, all dolled up, with the makeup, with the hair, in the dress. This is played by Natalie Portman, rising star. Right. Oh, also, there's some other character named Padme, played by Natalie Portman. <laughs> And they never made it. They never really explained that. They never explained that. No, and they, no. And it was like, oh, there. Why do some of the Natalie Portman action figures have a different name than other ones? The trading cards, the books, the posters, all of that, right? Queen Amidala, also Padme. They tried to hide Padme a little, and they wouldn't right. talk about it. But they were like, no, oh, no, no. It's Queen Amidala's the character. I don't know who this Padme is. Why are you asking me? I haven't. Said, who is, is that what they were like when Congress, when Congress, Congress. Uh, was asking? No, we them know questions. nothing about Padme. Uh, they, then they like were quiet. And they went, yeah. I, I'm not sure who what character you're referring to. Queen Amidala is the leader of Queen Amidala is played by Natalie Portman. Yes, yes that's right. And Natalie Portman has one character in the film. I remember being surprised where like, oh, they're not doing like a Mike Myers like Mike Myers and Mike Myers in the trailer where they're selling that Natalie Portman <laughs> Wait, plays two roles. Why like, didn't they do that though? Why aren't they Natalie playing Natalie Portman? And Natalie Portman. I was like, dual role, that's kind of interesting. Maybe right. it turns out that they're twins. Sure. Instead, it's this weird, like, yeah. kind it's, of it's false. A, it's, it's half-baked. Princess and the, the Popper thing. But why is it It's kept... not a Princess and the Popper. Why? It's Princess and her, her poor decoys who might die. <laughs> princess and the servants. It's like in middle school, uh, uh, Sabe asked out a boy, and he was like, oh, I wish I could, but Padme just asked me out. Right. But now you get to be a handmaid. <laughs> if you come in second to Padme in any competition, you get to be a handmaid. That's how they picked him. Yeah. Um, uh, Sasha lost a Madden 99, and that's how she yeah, ended up being she it. lost a game of Madden 99. She lost a game of Madden 99. Um, anyway, uh, the film wanted this to be a surprise to the audience. Does it? Yeah. Okay. I, I guess so. I guess I guess the moment when when is it a surprise? Is it when she reveals it to the Gungans? Is yes. that the twist? Yes. They want that to be a surprise. I think so. Yeah. I remember people gasping film- in the theater. Wow. I do not remember that. <laughs> I remember no reaction. But um I know you're right. The film does not tip its hand entirely, no. even though it is sort of clear if you know it. But yeah, you're right. Watching it now, we know, and it's clear in that, you know. But George Lucas is like, look, no one's going to be able to tell the difference. And I don't he think, can't really tell the difference. I don't I think don't the movie's trying looking. to get you to figure it out. And as we said, it was only rewatching it closely now that we realized how much the film is Kira Knightley. So this is my question to you. Oh. If most of the film you're going to have Natalie Portman playing Padme. Yeah. And you're going to publicize the fact that Natalie Portman is in your film. Why not say Natalie Portman has been cast in the role of Padme, a handmaiden to the queen? Playing the role of the queen, a smaller role, is some unknown British actress, Kira Knightley. And for the entire, but look out for her, because she might bend it by Beckham sometime. The entire running time, you're focusing on Padme, because she is the more developed character. Yeah. Right? You're focusing on Padme. Dude, it's because Natalie Portman's in the trailer, and, and she well, is Amidala sometimes. But I'm saying... No, I know, I get you. 
If they want it to genuinely be a surprise, then never have Natalie Portman play Amidala. Look. Never promote that Natalie Portman is Amidala. Cast Kira Knightley as quote unquote Amidala. Have Natalie Portman as Padme be like, this is the little handmaiden girl you're going to fall in love with. And in all the scenes where they're at the Senate, yeah, Padme fair. leans over, whispers something. You're like, that's interesting that they're so close, that they're sharing secrets in the middle of the Senate. A little unprofessional, but okay, whatever. Go <laughs> on. At the end of the movie, Padme reveals, you thought I was but a handmaiden. I am, in fact, the queen. Right. Now you knew the whole time. But why would anyone care? Because they'd be like, oh, who's the queen again? What does the queen do? Wait, it just what's feels the like such a lazy <laughs> twist when Look, it's like, everything we about know this the two movie, actresses. Yeah. This movie has a lot of plot twists, yeah. none of which I feel like could be shocking for the audience, right? Agreed. Like the trailer shows that Darth Maul has two uh, lightsabers, has a mm-hmm. dual edged lightsaber. Yeah, within the film, it's played off as a big shock. In the film, it's like, you ex- like it should have just been we should have shit our pants at the sight of that. Yeah. It should have been so cool. Yeah. But no, they 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 you know, they gave yeah. that all away. Which, you know, whatever. I get it. It's hard to keep secrets and yeah. so on and so forth. And the idea that Palpatine and Darth Sidious they're the same person. Same dude. Spoiler alert, they're and the same dude. It's not that hard to tell. No, no, they look the same. They look the same. It's like, oh, that guy, the guy who's kind of like doing all these subtle political machinations. Let's put a hood on that guy. Wait a second. There are two separate instances of in this film of two ostensibly separate characters with different names being played by the same actor. That is right. And the film acts like both of them are things you won't be able to figure out. That is also right. This is what I'm saying. Like, you know, it's like. It's like George Lucas wanted all the things, the elements of a twisty sci-fi serial, mm-hmm. but he wanted ooh serial, ooh. Um, but uh, but he, you know, but none of none of the payoff. He achieves none of the payoff. Agreed. Okay. So in conclusion, wrapping it up, the same question we re-examine every week at this point in the show. Sure. What's the Phantom Menace about? I I think it's about the necessary end of. Aristocracy, yeah, I think right? I think I think that that's a totally good thing that we hit on. I think that's a real point. I think that's a real. I think point. that Naboo, as much as it's beautiful and as much as it has this like really great fine tuned, yeah. clear and easy to understand system yeah. of handmaidens and queen, right, and teenagers running the planet, like that's all very clear and all makes total sense and it's great. Yeah, it's just great, and everyone in the movie just walks around saying like, "This is so great, right. I love it." It might be, you know, this is the end of something. It has to collapse. It's like it's, Ninochka. It's like Ninochka. Melvin Douglas falls in love with a communist from Russia. Yeah. And she makes him realize, man, my silly, like, French bourgeois lifestyle might not be long for this world. Or, yeah, I mean, the French is a perfect, right? Maybe that's what yeah. this is. It's the French. It's the you French. Know? It's, it's rules it's the Louis game. It's Ninochka. And it's just, you know, let them eat silver. Yeah. And, sh- and Naboo's just like, give me more silver and more trunks of clothes. And the Trade Federation's like, you guys are a total pain in the ass. We're going to blockade you and invade you. And it's worth saying, you know, because, of course, the title episode one implies that George Lucas maybe plans to make more of these some days. Yeah, I think I think that was the idea. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they ever got around to it, but as a yeah, perspective have. franchise starter. Right. One could assume it might be interesting to show the decay. Right. There's maybe, there's some new order on the way. And, and by the time you get to, you know, um, uh, less long ago in a galaxy far away. Right. Still a long time ago. But a little less long ago. Right. We're talking maybe only, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, a, a, a squillion years. Yeah. I, I don't know what post BBY is. We know it's 16 BBY. 
ADY, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's B- <laughs> perhaps the perhaps the future of this this world, these Star Wars worlds. Right. Yeah. Would be a little more run down, a little more beaten down. And it's interesting to watch it at its most decadent. Yes. Its most formal, with time for these costume changes for handmaidens, mm-hmm. these weird human three card Monty games that perhaps are a waste of time. But that was how they kept themselves busy, you know. It was That's like how they kept Naboo busy. has like two jobs: Queen Sio Bibble and Captain Pancake. So they're like, "Well, we got a few extra ladies. We can just be the handmaidens, maybe." Like, and then all switch around. Like, then everyone gets to be queen for a day, right? I think we summed up what Phantom Mass is about mm-hmm. in four words, at least with regards to the subjects that we discussed today: mo money, mo problems. I think we have it in four words: Queen for a day. Nailed it. Uh, no, thank you, you nailed it. to Purdue Ben. Thank you, Purdue Ben. Thank you, guys. Thanks for putting on the mic after I knocked it off it's in okay. fury at the illegal action of the Trade Federation. You guys are passionate. It's good. I did. I literally just headed this microphone. It was it was dramatic. Yeah. Uh, thank boring. you for listening. Thank you, guys. Thank we'll be you. back next week. We'll be back next week. And may the Schwartz be with you. <laughs>